Welcome back to The Docket. It's bestevidence.fyi's audio program. I'm your co-host, Sarah D. Bunting, and I'm here, as always, with my co-EIC, Eve B. Hi, Eve. Hey, Sarah. So today, we're having a little chat about, uh, well, actually, first, it's your birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. It is indeed. I am 52. So it's your deck of cards year. Fantastic. It is. I know. Does that include the Joker? Uh, always. Okay. <laughs> always. Uh, and I believe that this is an opportunity for our budget-minded listeners to save a little money on a subscription. Is that true? Tell us more. It is indeed. I think typically a uh, subscription to Best Evidence is $5 a month or $55 a year. So $55 a year is still a deal, but we're knocking three bucks off, uh, $52 uh, this week um, for annual subscribers. Uh, so get in before we get older. Because <laughs> soon, the in a couple of years, the discount's not going to be any good. Yeah. But this year, but this year still, you know, we're knocking it down to 52 bucks, which uh, breaks it down to even less than $5 a month. I'm not doing the math. Um, yeah, it's a pretty so, good deal. Yeah. And it's four yeah, years it of archives and bonus material. So just yeah. get in there and roll around like it's crime nip um, yeah. or something. And bask in the knowledge that you are supporting two independent creators doing their independent creation thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. These two independent creators have been um, side-eyeing slash complaining about uh, 60 Days In and various other A&E um, propaganda programming. Um, this is another one that I complained about recently on our cousin podcast, Extra Hot Great, namely that uh, it's just a propaganda wolf in... Um, but we want to learn from the incarcerated and do better mm -hmm. clothing, which is horseshit. Anyway, um, that series is back <sighs> on June 15th on A&E. Uh, and then right after that is the new spinoff booked colon first day in. Here's an about oh the show from AETV.com. Booked first day in follows arrested individuals through America's <clears throat> booking process, offering an extraordinary look at the most unusual, bizarre, and often tense bookings. Every day in America, around 25,000 people are arrested and booked into jail. Each episode follows the story of an arrestee with their permission as they move through the system and recount what ultimately led them to their time in jail. Uh, etc. and so on. From petty offenses to serious crimes, viewers will be taken on a harrowing adventure while they watch the arrestees throughout the booking process. Uh, end quote. This all reads to me like an excuse to use footage of arrested persons who have contraband in their buttholes. Do you agree? Um, yes, I think that that is exactly what it is. I think that this is uh, more... Um, Drive past and point mm -hmm. viewing from Absolutely. our friends at the Arts and Entertainment Channel. Isn't that what Annie stands for? Uh -huh. yeah. I mean, I mean, that's that's up there with TLC in terms of false advertising. Yeah. Um, oh my God. But I mean, and I think that you know we saw that with Sixty Days In that mm -hmm. the uh, which I believe both you and I wrote about for Previously TV back we in the did. day. Is that right? We did. Yeah, and we and had many a dialogue about um, Robert and whether God is going to protect fools and children because yeah. which which was he unclear. 
Yeah. But I feel like that show and to a sort of a less masked extent, not, not that kind of mask, not in those towns. Um, it, you know, it's like presented with this thin candy shell of compassion and explaining to people uh, what it is like inside. But it's sort of a weird combination of scared straight and look at these fuckers. And, yeah. you know, and that to me is very, I don't know who needs that. And I also don't understand why we need so much of it. Yeah, this just feels like a, um, as uh, the late Anthony Bourdain would have said, use the whole animal thing. Yeah. But it's like, but why? Like, why do we need a sausage made out of these particular lips and dicks? Like, just because yeah. you have the footage doesn't mean you need to use it. Now, let me ask you this also, because I feel like um, love after lockup, life after lockup, love after life, whatever all these various um, um, variations on that theme are called on the We Network. There's something to me about that, that even though it is framed as um, very openly and directly served as look at these fuckers, Mm -hmm. that in some way feels more respectful of these incarcerated and formerly incarcerated people than this like um, fakie and Goliath, like, oh, we're just trying to help. Like, you're not, you're gawking. But yeah. at least life after lockup, they're like, yes, we're gawking. But also like, these are just real messy people like anyone else. And there are a lot of them. Please America marinate in your so- sort of social structuring mistakes. I don't know if it making sense, but do you think mm-hmm. that I'm just rationalizing because I still kind of watch life after lockup or do you think that there is a qualitative difference in owning the mess between those two shows well i think that you know these shows need to make a decision on who they're going to center and that is is something that the various after lockups uh have sort of done the people who are centered are people who are um either incarcerated or who are awaiting trial, right? Like, isn't that the after lockup stuff escapes me? Are these people who are in prison or people who are in jail? Uh, These are people who uh, have recently emerged from jail and life after lockup. Like I think it started out being like, this is just generally going to be about the difficulties of reentry. But then so many of the stories were about, relationships that now had to find a way to survive on the outside that basically life after lockup became love after lockup even though love after lockup was called was about different couples i don't anyway this is after their time in well so a couple of things first usually destiny yeah but there's I think that the rules are different when we're talking about people who've been convicted. And, you know, th- there's a whole other conversation about whether or not that that's fair. But, you know, the fact is, as journalists, we no longer have to say allegedly once someone has been convicted. You and I know people are wrongfully convicted all the time. That is a genuine issue. But I'm just you know, I'm talking about how it works. So when we're talking about 60 days in and booked, we're not talking about people who've been convicted. We're talking about people who are awaiting trial and how this whole huge problem that we have in this country involving cash bail Mm -hmm. and 
you know, just parking people in jails sometimes for years because our court system is so fucked up that we can't get people to trial in sort of a reasonable period of time. None of that stuff is sort of addressed. Instead, when we're talking about the 60 days in the book, it's just people who are in jail. This, And while, of course, you know, nobody has to agree to releases or whatever, it seems by and large that these are just people who've been arrested. And I think that, that you know, if we really do believe all of these things about, you know, that you're presumed innocent until you are convicted, then a lot of these people who are in these jails are innocent people that are being presented as people who have done terrible things. Mm -hmm. And that is what remains in the public's mind. And the other thing is when we're talking about the, um, the books and the 60 days in is that almost as equally centered are the people who are working in corrections. In some cases, these are sort of just low paid COs. In other cases, these are people who are working for the sheriff's department because in a lot of places in counties, sheriff's department also manages the jail. And then we are having uh, an issue that's similar to the uh, something that we've been talking about in the uh, comments on best evidence regarding missing dead or alive is that we hear a lot of them y'all, this job is so hard. And, um, you know, you're getting paid to do this job watching over people in a jail, or you're getting paid to do this job looking for missing people or whatever else. So that when it starts becoming like full on 100% copaganda, um, right. I, I'm out. Well, I think what you said about who it's centering earlier is, is the difference, or at least that's what I'm going to cling to. That uh, you are like, you're centering the system. And it's like, well, the system is fine. We just need to make improvements. And that's going to be our rationalization for the way yeah. that the show is presented and framed, which is like, well, that's not why you got some sheriff's department to sign off on it is why and then also the people who signed the waivers and gave quote permission, like, I don't think that that's, um, I don't think that's meaningful consent, given that they've, you know, been fucking arrested and are probably freaking out. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But the other thing is that I think life after lockup is like, you're just seeing a much you're seeing much deeper into these people's lives and trauma and the effect of um, addiction, generational addiction, the same way that you do on teen mom that it's actually this like um story gathering like it's documentary i mean yeah it's like tricked out for mtv audiences and it's manipulated and these conversations are contrived and suggested by producers but it's still showing you shit that you might not necessarily see from at least my tiny ivory tower here in Brooklyn, like granted, it's conservative Brooklyn, but still. So, well, and, and if we remove least... all of your and my social justice concerns from right. this, I think that another important point is that in the you know the after lockups, they are so much less redundant. You've watched one episode of Sixty Days in, you have pretty much seen them all. Yeah, um, that's true. And with the after lockups there is sort of an endless opportunity for variation once you are dealing with people who are out of prison. And I mean, 
like, so obviously, like, you know, the overall commentary is one of the worst things about prison besides everything else is that it's insanely, insanely boring. And 60 Days In does an excellent job of communicating that. And I think that, but that means that that's what you're also getting as a viewer. The after lockups, they are, they are not boring. No, no, they're really not. And you have all sorts of issues that are not being sort of, um, plated as capital I issues, but it's just like, uh, you know, I went into prison, uh, and thought I was straight and now I do not feel that way. Or I no longer relate to the gender that I was assigned when I went into prison or, um, interracial relationships, trying to get jobs, um, that some of these, folks set up basically like um not even a side hustle like a main hustle and they were writing to like a gazillion people and one of the people tried out for life after lockup and now (laughs) this woman is like "Eh, i got like 25 other clients so can i still do that because i gotta eat because I can't get a real job because I'm a convicted felon. So yeah. all of that stuff is completely outside of my experience, but also endemic. There are so many people with extended, again, generational law enforcement contact. And even though this is sort of a like slicked up iteration of these stories... At mm-hmm. least they're being told and at least these people and their lives are being centered versus like, do I need to see how hard it is for yet another overweight dude named Brett in <laughs> Southern Indiana? Like bless half my family's from there, but they left and it wasn't for no reason. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. And ugh, I mean, there's just something really cynical and cheap spirited about this booked show that I don't know why I'm I'm not surprised and I'm not mad I'm just disappointed (laughs) well you know something that I remember that um our best friend Dan Abrams said about um sort of justifying live TPD was like well we're actually putting a critical eye on uh, policing. So we're helping keep them in line. And I, as I recall, when um, you and I were both writing about 60 days in, I got an email from somebody who works in corrections who said the same thing. You don't understand why this show is good. It's uh, keeping people in line because the cameras are there. And, you know, my response to that, and I assure you, it's not a straw man. This person did email me and say this is if you need cameras there to keep from beating, uh, people who are in jail right now awaiting trial, then you need to find a different job. There are other jobs you can get. Go mm-hmm. get one because, you know, that's not how it is. And I feel the same way about Live PD. If Dan Abrams is really telling us that uh, the cops on Live PD would be doing something horrible to um, these suspects if uh, the show weren't shooting, then, you know, maybe that's the show you should be making, Dan. Yeah. But... It isn't. It isn't. No. Um, I recently got one of his books in stock at the Uh-oh. shop, and um, no, no nibbles on that yet. Fortunately, I, I guess. Um, 
So, yeah, I if anyone decides to hold their nose and check out this booked show, just tell us if we're right that it's cops colon the intake room cuz mm-hmm. I don't I don't think we need to watch it. I think we know everything that we need to know. Well, Sarah, you and I have both been booked at various times in our lives, too. So maybe, you know, we just have a different attitude. Yeah, maybe. Um, If anyone has tips about how, um, (laughs) who I should call in the Mercer County, New Jersey, uh, (laughs) county um, government structure to get my arrest file, I would love it because I... I have never seen my mugshot, and uh, <laughs> I really, I really would like to see the the notes taken. Oh yeah, that gap dress. Yeah. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Green, of course. Uh, well, shall we? Shall we turn we from Dan to Don? Well, so one of the things that I can't stop thinking about is Don Lemon, about whom I am in no way an apologist. Let's let's be clear, Don Lemon. I thought he was kind of a smug jerk um, a while ago and uh, never enjoyed his little interplay with um, now known creep Chris Cuomo in between their shows. So when, you know, stuff started coming out about, you know, CNN anchor Don Lemon being a weird jerk, um, this did not surprise me. But one of my favorite items to come out was that, uh, Don Lemon did Nancy Grace impressions, and that was like a real problem, apparently, in the workplace, which I understand nobody should make fun of anybody else with whom they work. But Sarah, who among us, who among us has not done a Nancy Grace? Who here in our listening audience has not done a Nancy Grace? (laughs) I mean, I should get preemptively fired from CNN just for how many times I've called her a um, badge-humping warthog. Also that. Something similar. Um, Yeah, not to keep referring to Extra Hot Great, but uh, we had a segment in the the Extra Extra Hot Great show where we were tasked with casting our TV nemeses on shows that we like. And I was like, I'm tempted to skip this one because Juliana Margulies, who I am not about, um, was cast on The Sopranos and it kept fucking dragging on. (laughs) Um, But I was like, all right, here's what. If Perry Mason comes back for a season three, Mm -hmm. I think Nancy Grace should play Luella Parsons. I think she would actually be fantastic at it because I really get the feeling that a lot of it, I mean, I think it has now hardened into this carapace of um, self-righteousness that mm-hmm. can't be reversed. But I think a lot of it at least started out as performance. So that's what I think. And also I think she would look even um, scarier with a Marcel wave. <laughs> so oh, yeah. that's, that's my feeling. But like, She's so easy to imitate. And what's the actual, what's the actual issue with him doing it? That it's just rude to a colleague? Well, I guess, you know, that, like, that, which I do get. Like, obviously, if, um, if we were in a workplace with someone who had a distinctive accent and we mocked their accent, that would not be okay, right? Mm. Like, regardless of what that accent, this is, this is somehow suggesting that you you and I do not have accents, but 
let's say for the sake of this conversation that we speak in a way that is very similar to how broadcast yes. people in general speak. And if we started speaking in a different accent um, to mock them, that would be a workplace issue. And I do think that that is fair. But I also think, and one of the reasons I thought of this is because I was watching that Fatal Attraction reboot, which you guys don't watch it. It's Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, you can go ahead and like turn it on if you're doing something else. It's like not... Everyone sort of said, oh, the Fatal Attraction reboot's going to be, like, really woke this time. It's not. Um, this, is not this is not a Fatal Attraction podcast. But I just, um, <laughs> Pacey, you know, is on the, the Fatal Attraction reboot, yeah, Joshua Jackson. Pacey's and he does a Nancy Grace. Pacey yeah. is making some choices here in this 21st century. And most of them, yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to watch that, but I get it. Um, also, this isn't a fringe podcast, but they're rerunning yeah. that, I think, on Pop or, like, BBC America, maybe? They have like a fringe rock block somewhere if okay. you're one of the five people left besides me who is cable still. You should check it out. That show is underrated, I feel. Anyway, sorry. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, I, I completely agree. No, and my husband and I talk about fringe all the time. Like, oh, that's the fringe version of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's fair. And I also thought that I found him very likable on that. I do not find him very likable in the Fatal Attraction reboot. I do think that that is by design. Um, but he does. He plays a... Um, a a prosecutor and he does do a Nancy Grace impression. And, and here is the strange thing. It is not a very good Nancy Grace impression. Um, I feel I do a better one and I am notoriously bad at impressions. So here, like, you know, the big question is, is Joshua Jackson bad at impressions? Is the character Joshua Jackson is playing? Who's Dan? What's his name? You know, he's not in publishing this time. He's a prosecutor. Is Dan bad at impressions? What is it? It's not that hard to do a good Nancy Grace. And if anybody has like a tape or anything of Don Lemon doing the Nancy Grace, I would love to hear it. Yep. We are here for you and we will disguise (laughs) your identity appropriately. Um, Do you think that Nancy Grace turns on the accent more for broadcast? Because I think she does. Sure. Sure. I think so. Because I think that, because why not? I mean, everybody does code switching, even her, right? It's... I think it's good for her brand. I think it works. I do think that it's, there are so many sort of hard hair, blonde highlight people. And I do believe that one of the reasons that you and I, you know, refer to the, the, probably the reason that people who don't care about true crime still know who Nancy Grace is, is in large part because of the accent, which she probably didn't think about that when she got started, but it is one of the reasons that she is known now when there's this whole flood of people. So why not lean into it? I think that's cool. And I also do think that having people who do not sound like you and me, who do not speak what is probably, you know, problematically referred to as broadcast English, it's better. It's better if we're listening to people who have a lot of different ways of speaking on TV. And I think that having smart people who do have that kind of accent and who are not, well, Nancy Grace might not be part of this, but having people who speak in that accent, who aren't raiding the Capitol or waving tiki torches and using the N-word, that would be nice because there are a lot of folks like that out there, but we don't see them on the news. Instead, all the people with those accents are saying, not my president, and you know, and that's not cool. But I, I feel like at least from a um, law and order as it's... Um, as it's positioned for like political platforms mm-hmm. standpoint, 
that she kind of is that person. Like, I think it's unfortunate that this is someone who is extremely Blue Lives Matter and also yeah. extremely careless um, in the way that she takes out after certain case figures. Yes. Um, particularly since her ubiquity, like in almost any docu-series like that sort of sizzle reel intro that they all have now in the first eight to ten minutes she she is in there as part of that montage like she is the only one who's always in there they have finally stopped using matt lauer possibly because they Uh. ran out of footage because he (laughs) was uh run off the show as he should have been and he should probably be in jail but anyway uh, like she is a face of this genre and i think that brings her a greater responsibility to be a little less shitty (laughs) and i like i agree that you shouldn't make fun of people's accents generally but in her case i think there's Mm -hmm. such a strong like branding tie to like stand your ground but it's like maybe that's not fair and i don't think this is a stupid person Mm -hmm. but if that was the straw that broke that don lemon is still employed here camel's back that's insane like literally the entire building has been making fun of her you just didn't catch them doing it yeah yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do think you know, like there's no question in my mind that Nancy Grace is a problem, and Nancy Grace represents a lot of the things that are wrong about how we perceive crime and crime reporting. And it maybe is just sort of a comment on like sort of the state we're in with this country right now. That I'm like, yeah, but she's still fairly moderate by comparison. Yeah. Um, mm, and, well, yeah. and but you know, part of that problem is us too because the choices that we're making in terms of what we consume. And so how, you know, how do we dismantle the system? Well, we're probably not going to do it today in this audio issue, but uh, it's worth oh, thinking man. about ways to push Nancy Grace to do better. Because I think that, that if there's anybody out there who's doing this stuff right now, who might be incentivized to do it, it's somebody like her. Yeah, that's true. I just feel like she's this sort of um, inverse hard hair, like you said, that's perfect. Um, Oprah, who has what you could call a bully pulpit, and I think has to take care. And I'm sure that that does weigh on her. Like, again, I don't think this is a stupid person. Yeah, I don't think this is an unreflective person. And the whole reason that we even know who she is, like way back in the sort of, you know, in her before time, was fucking trauma. Yeah. But now that it's been monetized, I I think that she has to do a little better or stand down. And I think yeah. you get to a certain level of fame and it's no longer necessary for you to gut check yourself and anyone else who tries it is going to be excommunicated. So, I mean, we all know how this goes with Disgracios. So anyway, um, again, send us the tape. And or- we, sh- we sure do know, Sarah. We know and we understand. <laughs> the uh, pride of Vincennes would like a word. But, I mean, whatever. I, I get that, too. Like, you don't think I code switch here in Bay Ridge? Because I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Um, oh, same same here when I'm back in Indianapolis. Absolutely. Not like hugely, but yeah. Yeah. And I think that the other problem is that a lot of times my Nancy Grace slides into a Paula Deen and Paula Deen's legit baddie. Um, Nancy Grace, <laughs> if she's a baddie, she's hiding it. And if she's like full on baddie, she's hiding it still. Yeah. I mean, my whatever accent, whatever that regional accent is that I'm trying to imitate winds up being an imitation it's me imitating Mark Blankenship, imitating my mother-in-law. <laughs> he met once it. for seven minutes, but his Miss Evelyn is flawless because. <laughs> <laughs> Let me, my, I might could explain it to you. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm too Jersey. That but, is it for us. Um, yeah, that's, I think that, that's a lot. We, uh, that's a lot. We, we said we it full. I think the um, the last thing that I want to say before we sign off is I want to encourage folks to give us a call, um, which they can do at 91975-CRIME, um, or send us an email at uh, editorial at bestevidence.fyi to sort of suggest what they might want to hear us talk about on future episodes. Um, we are eager to engage you all in the convert y'all in the conversation and um one of the ways that we can do that is to hear from you with questions with suggestions with things that you would like to hear us discuss so please do send those our way um these episodes uh will remain uh, free for all and so even if you are not a paid subscriber you'll get to hear what you're suggesting that we talk about indeed in both senses of that word free for all um yeah i will also add if you want to send us your nancy grace impressions we would love it and uh if you do leave us a voicemail just let us know we may use some of them just to switch up the audio effect on the air if you're not comfortable with that you just want us to contemplate the content just let us know either way but you can also text that number that's 919-75-CRIME And next week on the docket, I am not actually sure what we're going to be talking about, but uh, Lindsey Graham is a possibility. Uh, Tokyo Joe uh, from Chicago Magazine. I think we're going to look at a long read and talk it over, but we might also be contemplating the uh, looming disaster that is Michael Bay's Investigation Discovery series. Uh. You You just never know. Either way, we hope that you will be along with us for that ride. Thanks for listening.